Thank you, sir. All right. Now that you sat, <laughs> what am I going to have you do? <laughs> yeah, if you don't mind standing back up, we're going to stand for God's, the reading of God's Word. This is, we're in 1 uh, John, for anybody who may be um, a guest with us today, and we are in chapter 4. Last week we read the first six verses, and that kind of is a tie-in also to what we're going to be reading today. So I'm going to read, we're going to read the first verse of chapter 4, and then we're going to jump down to verse 7. We'll read a little bit of that together that'll be up on the screen, and then I'll complete the uh, reading of that chapter um, that will not be on the screen. But as always, I encourage you, if you have a Bible, feel free to keep it open because we're going to be looking at lots of different pieces to this particular part of John's sermon, this letter of 1 John. So, this is God's word to us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone into, into the world. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Now I've got to find where I left off. (laughs) What was the end of that? Nine? Ten? Thank you. Okay, and this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us so that we have confidence For the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and and he hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom whom he's not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Father, heavy words that you give to us, but the powerful words, rich words that are going to, that are a challenge to us and are deeply comforting if indeed we can hear what you have to say. So please, Holy Spirit, be, be our teacher, not only to our mind, but to our to our very being, to our heart, to our soul, and allow us to encounter your love. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, you can be seated. So we started last week with this big idea. The Spirit of God animates the people of God with the love of God. So this whole section has this big overarching idea. We are animated by something. So John challenges us to test the spirits, test what it is that animates us. And we looked last week at, we need to therefore examine and test our confession. What is it that we confess to be true? And then this week we're going to look at this test our expression. What's, what's the expression of our life? Because the expression of our life is an indicator of what it is that animates you, what spirit has captivated you. So what characterizes the people animated by the spirit of God according to the passage we just read? You tell me, what was the big idea? What should characterize the people animated by the spirit of God? Love. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Love is what's supposed to characterize us. When we, are, when we examine the expression of our life, that is what we are looking for. Love. John makes it pretty plain, pretty clear. If we don't love, we're not of God, regardless of what we may say that we believe. If we love, we have been, he says, born of God. We know God. That's how John describes this. So, Love is talked about a lot in our world, right? Love is a very common thing. I mean, is there a single song that's ever been written that doesn't talk about love? I'm sure there has been. But aren't most songs about love? We love to talk about love. God's love is unique, though. It's a different kind of animal. So the love He animates in us is therefore to be different, what is this love? Well, this is how we're going to do it. I thought about, man, this is, there's a lot here, okay? But we're going to break it out this way, all right? So when we're talking about what does this love look like, it's this. Love, this love looks like God's love. It perfects God's love. It testifies to God's love. And then it abides in God's love. So these are the, these are the ideas. So first, it looks like God's love. This is the, the big section of what we're going to discuss. Lives connected to God are to, in some way, in some way, actually look like God, the one who made us. How do you know if you're of God? If you know him, you love in a similar way that he loves. So the logical next question would be, okay, how, how does he love? What's different about him? And that is a loaded answer. So we, we can't... We can't delve into everything, right? We're going to focus in on what John is saying in this particular area, this particular text. Um, We want to focus in on that, what he highlights, and what is it that we see about his love, about God's love, okay? What we're going to do is we're going to go back through the text, and we're going to pull out some things, uh, and then we're going to summarize that at the end, all right? So again, if you have your text, I encourage you to keep it in front because we're going to be looking at lots of different passages in this little section. So beginning, verse 9. And this is love. And this is the love. In this, the love of God has been manifest among us, that God sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sin. So quick thing about God's love. God's love took initiative. You see that? That's, did you see that? Yes or no? Okay, you see that? All right. God's love is characterized by his firstness. He does this first. It's not us loving him. It's him loving us. 
He's gonna, we're going to get to this again in verse 19. So let's keep going. There's also a parallel in the verses that we just reread. He sent his son that we might live, and he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. He's making a, a parallel here. So he sent his son that we could live through him. How, how do we live through him? By the son being the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, that's a common word. We use that one all the time, don't we? Um, there's lots of conversation about what that word is. It's actually not, this particular word is not used very much in the New Testament. So lots of conversation about that, lots of theologians talking about this. But let me get to the, the bottom line. Bottom line is he made a way, Jesus made a way for our impurities, for our incompleteness, for our rebellion to not be a problem. It's a problem. Jesus made a way for it not to be a problem, to be wiped away so that through him we can have life. That stuff debilitates life. Jesus is the propitiate. He does something through his life, his death, his resurrection. He does something to take care of that, okay? A lot more to it than that. Therefore, what does this say about the nature of God's love that we are to reproduce and to carry forward? Because that's our focus right here. Um, All right, quick note. There are certain aspects and degrees of God's love that we cannot and will not ever embody, right? We need to be up front with ourselves about that. The level and the bigness of God's love is beyond our capacity. If you don't think it is beyond your capacity, let's talk and probably get you in a padded room, okay? If you think you have the capacity to love as God loves, right, that should, we, we should just be realistic about that. But the flavor of our love should bear resemblance to his love. It should, it tastes a little similar. It should taste a little similar. Okay, so there's a similar thing that's picked up in verse 13. So before I pull out a lot more from these two verses, we're going to jump to verse 13 as we're looking at what does this produce in us. So 13, he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. So, third time He uses sent the Son. John's doing something here. He's calling our attention, obviously, to what is key and important, but also what follows. He sent His Son to what? Be the Savior of the world. So, the parallel with 9 and 10 is He sent the Son to, so that we can have life through Him, verse 9, to be the propitiation, verse 10, to be the Savior of the world, verse 14. Okay? These are all elaborating on the reasons Jesus came, like the the work that he came to do, the result of his work. John is looking at Jesus and describing the nature of God's love, that love had a mission, that love is active. It's It's not stagnant. His love came to make a difference for others. His love came to bring life. It came to bring forgiveness at its own cost. It came to bring what he says, salvation, to restore us, to bring life and reunion and health. He came to bring health to the world. Okay, how does this happen? He gives life by giving his life. This ties back into the propitiation. The way that Jesus came to love is to give away his life so that others could have life. We do not have the power to give life in the same way Jesus does right? We all know that. Hopefully we know that. But we do learn what love looks like. It looks like giving our life so that others can have life. 
It looks like offering forgiveness, even paying, paying some kind of a price so that others can be forgiven. When someone offends you, what is forgiveness? It's you paying the debt. It's, as opposed to you taking your pound of flesh for the person that offended you, you pay for that and you offer grace back. There's a cost there. This is forgiveness. And it's then working for, for reconciliation and health. It's working for wholeness for the people that are around us. That's how his love gets manifest in us. So now, as we move into abiding, this idea of abiding, it's, he's, he uses this multiple times in this section. John loves this word throughout the whole letter, but he uses it six times just in this little section. And what is this? It's not just his, our abiding in him, which we'll talk about later. It's him abiding in us. This is something he does to make his home with us, to share space with us, to share relationship with us, which means he willfully associates with us who are very, very different than him, right? Abiding is associating. What is this love of his that we can give to others? It's, I mean, sharing our life, right? But it's also associating with others who may be very different than us. That's big. Love, the, 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 uh, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of, um, animated person associates with others that are, not like, that are not like them. So then verse 16, God is love. And then he moves in the end of verse 17. As he is, so also we are to be in this world. God is love. What in the world does that mean? Love is not just an attribute, it's his essence. Okay, this is, this is um, for me, this has been a significant thing. Like, I know this. I've known this verse for years and years, right? All 30 years of my life. He <laughs> thought that was funny. All right, so love. God is love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. God is love. What in the world does that mean? That's his very essence. It's not his duty. It's not his responsibility. It's not his job. It's not his vocation. It's him. He is. And, and, he, and he doesn't do it for self. He doesn't love for self-gain. He doesn't love to get love back. I think I've sung this one before. You know the old Sammy Hagar song? Um, if you want love, you gotta give a little. Do you know that one? Yeah, you know that one. Sammy Hagar, I think this is an 80s song. If you want love, you got to give a little. If you, want, if you want some love back, you got to give a little. That's not how God's love works. He is love. He is love. All right, this might mean, as he animates us, he changes us to be love. What if that's what he's doing? That means we now love others, not because others deserve it. That's not his love. And maybe not even for a desired outcome. Okay, this is where I get tripped up. Do you want a desired outcome when you love someone? Absolutely you do, and that's okay, right? But that's not why we love. God loves because he is. He's growing us to love because it's what we're becoming. Then verse 19, we love because he first loved us. So this is similar to verse 10. Um, He first loved. What does that mean for us? If 
His love is shaping us. We now get to love first. We don't have to wait on another to love us first or to love us second or to love us ever. If his love is abiding in us, this is the kind of love we start to manifest. We give love away freely, not because it's a return of something that someone has given to us. And then, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Christ has taken all our condemnation. Okay, this is where he's getting, he's, 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 he's focusing in on this. Christ has taken condemnation. Um, he's taken the, the separating consequences of our wrongs, of our sin. Uh, therefore, all who are with him have no reason to fear judgment. There is now no condemnation for those of you who are actually in Christ Jesus. It doesn't, it's not a reality for you anymore. And it's not because we don't deserve condemnation, but because he absorbed condemnation. That's why there's no condemnation. It's not like God doesn't care about stuff. Who cares so much that he allowed his son to absorb the condemnation that I deserved? Love and fear, therefore, are contradictory. They are not to live in the same room together. They're not to coincide. But aren't we supposed to fear God? I mean, doesn't the, doesn't the Bible say something about fearing God? Yeah, it, it does. Yet, in a sense, we are to be o- overwhelmed by his greatness, of his goodness, of his power. That should be overwhel- overwhelming. And in a sense, there, is there a fear there? I, I think so, yes. And certainly, if you've not come to know his love, God is a terrifying entity. If you haven't come to know his love, yeah, yeah, he's a terrifying entity. This is true. But when we encounter and we know and are overtaken by his love, when his love is our animating force, we do not have to live out of fear. We do not have to live with fear. We do not have to live for fear any longer. How does this translate to us loving others? Okay, I'm talking about God. Now, okay, this is the love that we're supposed to be having, like this is what's animating us, love casts out fear. It doesn't use fear. That has been taken out of your toolbox. (laughs) That's been taken out of my toolbox. This kind of love is humble. It's not manipulative. It's not that it's soft on truth, but it allows space for people to breathe and to process. It doesn't use fear as a motivating tool. How does this play out Okay? This is where the rubber meets the road, and this is for a lot more conversation. How does this play out in parenting? Oh, man, I'm so glad I'm done that. I'm finished. My, my oldest, my youngest is 19. I'm done parenting. So I, I can talk to you about how you should parent. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How does this play out in parenting? How does this play out in, in doing what I, a, a pastor kind of stuff? How does it play out in that? How does it play out in helping people walk with Jesus? If you're a Jesus follower and you want to disciple people, how does, you can't use fear anymore. That's not love. How does it play out? How does it play out in sharing the gospel with other people, right? How does it play out? How does it play out in coaching if you're a coach? How we work as an employee or an employer or a coworker? How does it play out and we have conversations about social and political 
and theological issues. How does it play out there? Perfect love casts out fear. How then shall we love? All right, real quick. So we walk through it. I want to just summarize. There are five areas that I kind of pulled out. I don't know if you caught them. He, first love, he takes the initiative. He gives himself. He gives himself so that others might have life, so that others can be forgiven. He gives himself so that we might be restored, made more whole and more human. He gives himself for that. He, ab- he abides which means he shares his life and he associates with others that are not like him. He is love, meaning he is unprompted by the one being loved, right? He, it's, he doesn't do it for self-gain, to gain love for himself, but because that's what he is. He is love. And then fifthly, he casts out fear, okay? Those are, those are aspects of what John says is his love. Therefore, what, do, what does that mean for us? Here's what he says. Move first. You, me, go first to the person that needs to be loved. It means give ourselves for the life of others, forgiving others, restoring wholeness where others are not experiencing wholeness, bringing health to where there's not health, It means associating with others, including those that are not like me and you. It means let it be unprompted. Don't, we don't have to do it for self-gain. Like I'm going to love and love and love and love and I don't get anything in return. Well, screw you, right? I mean, that's the heart mentality. This love is different. It's not for self-gain. And then it erodes fear. It doesn't feed fear. We don't have to be motivated by fear, nor do we have to use fear to motivate. Now what? Um, Look at our lives. I'm saying this is one. Man, this is... it's bad having to say this, knowing that my wife's not in here, so I'm a little bit safer right now because she's with the kids. Like knowing, like, (laughs) keep your mouth shut. Uh, hopefully she won't go and listen to this later, right? It's like, because you can, you can, I mean, she's very gracious to me. She doesn't actually glare at me. But I know I haven't loved her like this, right? She knows me better than anybody else. This is hard stuff. So what does it look like in our life? This, is, is, is this kind of love of God animating us? Is it being ex- is expressed in us? And the harder question is, what do others say? Are others saying, I love like this? Okay. Again, this is for further conversation in smaller groups. Second thing, perfects God's love. All right, verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. No one has ever seen God. Right, we get that. Uh, but the implication that John is bringing to us is if we love, you actually get to see God because God is love. So seeing true love is seeing him in a real sense. You follow his logic? If you love and you see real love, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, you know, it's not the essence of God, but it's kind of the essence of God. You get to see God. If, if we want to see God in a deeper way, if you want to know his love I mean, because I think we're all struggling with that. I want to know you, God. I want to know you better. Well, what does John say? Love other people. 
I mean, if you want to actually grow to know him, he's saying love grows, his love grows in us when we actually move towards others in love. Um, I don't know if you've ever said this or heard this said, but people talk about, you know, when I go and I serve, I feel like I get more out of it than the person I've served. Have you ever said that or thought that or heard somebody else say that? Okay, it's a common thing. Okay, so one, that can't be a problem. Like, if you're giving and you're helping someone and they're like, this is absolutely of no value, and you go away feeling, man, I feel so good. It's like the, it's like the, oh, the short-term mission trip, right? You go and you destroy a village, but you come home and you feel so good about what you just did. <laughs> okay. That's bad, but, 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 there is also a reality to this. There is something true about when you give yourself away, God actually does do something in you and for you. He does fill you. So uh, Paul says that Jesus says what I'm about to say. (laughs) I don't know where Jesus said it, like in the Gospels, but it's in uh, Acts chapter 20. So Paul is talking to a group, uh, group from Ephesus, probably similar people that John is actually writing to, potentially. Paul says this. He says, uh, this is Acts 20. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the words of Jesus in some place he had said this. As we love others, God grows his love in us, not only our capacity to love others, but our experience of his love for us. There's something that happens when we're loving that he interacts with. It's a little bit like exercising a particular muscle, right? You you work out the muscle, and the muscle grows should grow stronger, and it gets to be, yeah, uh uh-huh, right? It grows, it's defined, flex for me, flex for me. Come on, big boy, up there. Yeah, there you go. Big, right? It becomes more defined. That's what happens when we exercise love. So then, this spirit animates life. So that was a quick one, perfects love. Animates uh, this life of love also by, as we testify to God's love. This verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So our love is also expressed as we point to him. Like we love others as we point to him. Loving people just for the sake of loving people is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And as those who are loved by Jesus, we are also living signposts to a greater love. Um, There's so much to say about this, but let's just kind of focus it in. All of our actions that come from being animated by him also point back to him. So when we're animated by his love, who are we actually testifying to? It's him. We're pointing back to him. And as we're a Affected by the love of God and Jesus, we increasingly point to Him in everything that we do. It starts, it starts permeating every aspect of our life. So when we speak and we tell stories and how we care for others and how we post or don't post on Instagram and on Facebook 
how we speak with and listen to those who agree with us and how we speak and listen to those especially who we don't agree with, we're testifying to what spirit animates us. Is our life a testimony to this Jesus John describes? Consider. And then when opportunities do arise and people are open and places are prepared and the Spirit of God nudges you or pushes, pushes you, we get to point to Him specifically to tell His unique story. This can happen and it can be done in as many different ways as there are combinations of people, how you tell the story of Jesus. So many stories that we tell by our actions and within our conversations can be first an echo. How does this happen? It's an echo. It's an echo of his story. Most of us need to hear that echo, which harmonizes with some deep need or deep desire of our own lives before we're ever really able to hear the full symphony or the explicit version of the song. Right, so we need to hear the echo often before we can hear the explicit. We're not ready for rated R yet. We're not ready for his full explicit version of the song. We need to hear the echo so very often. His love usually needs to be heard and to be tasted and seen and experienced as actually beautiful before most are ready to hear the source of the love. It's like, you know, I don't know if Sam's Club does this anymore, but used to hand out samples everywhere. Do they still do it? I don't think they do anymore. Oh, it's probably a COVID thing, isn't it? I didn't think about that. All right, so it used to be that you had little samples. You'd go around and you'd taste it. Why do they do that? They just want to feed you? No, no, no. They want you to taste it. Oh, this is so good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go buy, because it's Sam's, 12 pallets <laughs> of this thing, right? Once you've tasted it and see it's good, you want more of it. We need that. And as our lives point to him, we can point to him and his story as ground zero of love. As first cause, the complete, uncut, explicit version. Peter, a famous passage, he says in, in 1 Peter 3, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. When his love is, when it's, you're abiding, right, and it does something to you, it affects, and sometimes, I mean, rarely does somebody say, oh, please do tell me what is the hope that is within thy Right? I mean, it doesn't come out like that, but it does. Right? People look at you and they see something different and they say, without saying, what is, what, what is that? Why are we living in that way? The Spirit animates us to love in this kind of a way. It looks like God's love. It perfects God's love. It testifies to God's love. And all of this is absolutely, totally dependent on this last thing. Because if you walk away... You have not heard the gospel yet. Like, this is, all this is true. It's good. But, go, okay, go and do that. Go, go, go do it. How's that going to work? He uses six times, he uses like, he uses the word abide like 24 times in this particular letter. Six times in this one little section of abide. Abide in God. 
Abiding in God, which is a popular theme in this letter, is about core rest. It is about a settledness at your center that surrenders to, that desperately needs, that trusts, that confesses this love. Whoever confesses, verse 15, that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Our confession is not, please, please, please hear this. Our confession is not, we love like God. Let's put that on a banner and put it on the back wall. We love like God. We perfect God's love. We testify to God's love. Praise God for us. It's not our testimony. What's our testimony? What's our confession? It's confessing Jesus is the Son of God. Which is a confession that His love obliterates my meager attempts. And His love is for me and for you. That's what it's confessing. God's love is not abstract. It's not distant. or It's, it's not even just for others. It's and I need to remind this. I tell people this all the time. And then I, I find myself forgetting it. Like, really? I, know, I, I actually believe he loves you. I really do believe that. Does he really love me? Only when this kind of confession becomes the song that echoes in our own soul is it ever going to reverberate out into the world onto others. We can try to, we can try to copy him, Right? For those of you who grew up in a Christian subculture, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? Right? You can try, try, right? We can testify. We can point to him all day long with every ounce of our willpower. But if you do not know that he is singing over you, that he did this for you, that he, he honestly loves you, you will dry up and you will blow away. And you'll grow defeated because you don't love well enough. Or you'll grow judgmental because others don't love well enough. Confessing him is identifying with him. It's rehearsing. It's abiding in his love that looks like what? Well, it looks like going back to all the things that we talked Those five things that we talked about. It's going back to those. It's confessing. He first loved. He takes initiative. He gives himself to give us life and forgiveness and wholeness, right? He gives himself, not just symbolically, physically. He gave himself on a cross and absorbed the hate, the propitiation. He does this. He came to save and to restore, to make us whole. And then he shares his life, associates with others not like him, but like me and you, He, does, he actually does this. And he's love. He's love, which means his love is unprompted by my loveliness. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. His love is not prompted by my loveliness, nor is it discouraged by my unloveliness. Which also means he does not love to gain love. He loves us because it's what he is. 
He frees us then from fear and, condem- and condemnation. He casts it out. It's not how he does relationships. He took the condemnation so that we could be freed from it. All right, this confession of Jesus is simultaneously, so it's a confession of him. This is everything. This is everything. But there is something else. Because it's not only a confession of Jesus, it's also a confession of what? About me. It's a confession about us. What is it, what is it confessing? If I confess this to be G- about Jesus, if this is Jesus, and this is God's love, it can, it's a confession that we need someone. We need someone to first love us, to, to, to give themselves for us, I need somebody to, to associate with, uh, with me, with us, to love us not out of their own need to be loved, right? I need somebody to love me not because I love them back. I just need somebody to love me, to not use fear in our relationship, but to cast out fear, to cast out any concept of rejection. Do you, do you need that? Because if you don't, he's not going to offer... He, it's, There's not much he has to give you. He has to give you everything, but if you don't, if we're not sensing that need, we need a rescue. We need a savior because we are freaking dying as a people, as individuals, as as communities, as cultures. There is so much unlove in us and in the world around us and how we live with each other. We need somebody, somebody, Lord, help us, somebody love us perfectly, please. He says, I will. (laughs) Confessing Jesus as the supreme expression of the God who is love is confessing, I am not him, I need him, I want him. Abiding in this confession is freedom. It's freedom to be honest, to stop pretending, to acknowledge how far short we fall in loving one another. This freedom doesn't lead us, therefore, to complacency, right? Some people say, you confess that, and then what, what, are you just good with that? No, I'm not good with that. I don't want, I want to love better, but I don't love better. He loves perfectly. I'm going to abide. I'm going to rest. Then what? Repent. (laughs) Desire. Desire the more and then return to enjoy his better love, by which the Spirit will reanimate us to go back out as people who are renewed in the self-giving love of Jesus. So, Father, there's so much here. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to read a prayer. Fran sent me this prayer. I I know it's late, but Fran sent me this prayer this week. It's from a guy named Scotty Smith. He has, I think it's a little devotional, Everyday Prayers, and it hit home with me. So I'm going to read this as as part of the prayer, all right? These aren't my words. Lord Jesus, you are so kind and compassionate and forgiving of me, us. I want the fragrant aroma of the sacrifice you made for me on the cross to permeate all of my relationships. You're not calling me to change anybody. You're calling me to live as a broken perfume bottle through which the aroma of grace will bring your disruptive and gentling presence. 
let me live more out of brokenness than out of my woundedness and my self-righteousness. So, Lord, as we hear even that prayer and as we process what it is that you want to say to us and the reality of your brilliant love that is beyond our comprehension, and yet you do reveal it to us in your Son. Spirit, please help us to abide and therefore be a changed people. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.